Oh, how long yeah. it has been. Lo, these many years, almost two years since my sister Olivia Duncan and I last recorded. But it's time again because we just have too many food takes. They're spilling out of us. We wasted a bunch of them on each other already when we were together in Europe just recently. But we saved some of them for the pod. So uh, first off, I, I don't know. I don't like to ask how you're doing because I know already. I should know. I'm your brother. Yeah. I mean, you do. I mean, I'm. if you'd like to ask, though, I have an answer. <laughs> okay. How are you doing then? I'm still recovering from my kennel cold from the plane home from Barcelona. <laughs> do you, kennel, kennel cold? Is that what you just said? Yeah. Like, I, it, it, it's akin to when you board your dog when you're away. You also can end up with a kennel cold from the recycled air on a plane. See, I don't know. I, I thought all the pandemic research says, like, it's actually, like, safer on the plane. I, I mean, my body says otherwise because almost any, no, every time I've been on a flight longer than four hours, I get a cold. Yeah, but you also, like, sleep four and a half hours a night. Like, of course you're going to get sick. Sure, 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 says uh, you. I have uh, evolved and I sleep <laughs> very nearly the same as a normal human now. <laughs> I wish I didn't need to actually sleep eight hours. It's very annoying. People on the East Coast think I'm lazy because I never record uh, earlier than 9 a.m. Pacific time. But I'm like, I'm sorry. I, like, I'm up watching basketball games. I go to bed at 1 o'clock. Like, I need to sleep eight hours. Like, I'm not going to, like, I won't be good on whatever I need to be doing. Um, wow. Okay, so you had another trip to Europe this summer went to paris and porto for those who didn't know i just had my absolute dream vacation we took the baby we went to copenhagen for two and a half weeks we were in paris for 10 days and then we spent 40 days in barcelona with a brief detour to austria to meet up uh, with my buddy uh, who's serving in the military in germany so we were there for a long time i got takes yeah. on europe i'm sure you do too what do you think of uh, these cities uh, that you're in whatever stood out to you go ahead well um kind of the usual the, uh take is how amazingly old they are compared to almost any city in the u.s you, are you talking about the people <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, the people I, I would say are uh they probably live longer <laughs> but um, no, no. The uh, well, no. Can I make an observation yeah. on that quickly? One of the best things about, particularly the Mediterranean countries, but maybe just all Europe, like the old men are just way better there. Like they just do old men in a way that they don't do here. You got the guy with the short sleeve, button down shirt, the pants like over his belly button, and just crusty as all hell, but friendly usually and also you know working behind the counter at this shellfish place doesn't speak any english and just serves you incredibly awesome fresh shellfish like he's been doing for 40 years so you just the u.s we just we don't see old men like that with that kind of character very often uh yeah it's it, i mean i can see what you're saying it's a different type of character usually over here and less uh less pants over the belly button sadly they're usually well <laughs> below the belly button oh yeah you got the in the u.s you got the guys who have the huge bellies but are like totally fooling themselves they're like oh i don't need to wear a pants size that fits my actual waist i will just wear it 
way below my enormous gut and keep the same waist size that I've already had. And never mind that like my ass is hanging out or that my genitals are barely, barely covered at this point and that I'm cinching my belt like a bungee cord to barely keep my pants up. I'm I'm fooling everybody here though. Like they can't see, they can't see my belly. Well, as long no, as you're just standing. just lean into it, pal. Well, as long as you're standing perfectly straight up. No, I'm referring to the architecture, the infrastructure, the uh, navigational systems. I mean, it's it, yeah. for for those of us. Uh, I, I think this isn't necessarily applicable to you, but I, I I live on a grid system here in Chicago. Everything makes sense. Every major street is four blocks from the last street. Um, and so I, I love the twisting and turning and honestly, the amount that I get lost in Europe, um, everything is based on the water source rather than, uh, the car, you know, that's actually kind of why I like Barcelona is it is a little bit more gritty. Yeah. A little bit more, uh, with it, with D's not T's. And, uh, and it's like, there's, you still have like the old city in that section and you still have people who are are living a a much more European lifestyle. But I do like that they kind of have like big blocks. They have wide boulevard. It's super easy to get around, you know, the, the, all the streets are wide enough that they all have bus lanes. So like taking the bus doesn't actually suck the way it sucks just so hard, uh, in the U.S. and like, you know, normal people are taking the bus. So it's just, and the overall aesthetic of Barcelona, just like a modern city, the architecture and the way it's laid out with like the, all the buildings in these huge blocks and the vacant centers in the building. It just, yeah, it's one of my favorite cities, maybe my favorite city just in terms of like how it's laid out. Yeah. It, it, it turned, and this is my first visit there, obviously. Uh, well to you. Um, and I know you've been there several times the, it turned into possibly my favorite European city that I've been to. I still don't know that it would be my favorite one to live in, um, but I would mm. visit it time and time again. Um, it, it, it's just, I'm never going to move to a city that's bigger than Chicago where I live now. So for me, uh, it was still a little too big for like my living standards, but the the food was the major draw for sure. Okay, so what stood out to you about uh, the food in Barcelona? I mean, I could get into and, and we will a little bit here the very specific items that blew me away. But what I love about Barcelona as long as well as um other European cities is the culture around food at home. Um, It's just lovely to me that in this city, you can walk out your door almost anywhere you live inside the city and have multiple groceries or markets. um, And you're buying just for that night. You know, you're not like we do in the States so much, like going to Costco and loading up on, I don't know, eggs for the next month and all those things. Sure you can, but it's very intentional and easy to just go to the store on your way home because there's so many different little groceries and markets and buy what you're going to make for dinner that night. And I think that's really cool. So much less wasteful. Um, and we just don't have a lot 
lot of that in the States. No, it's true. I, I mean, I, that was one of the things I liked uh, the most because we obviously you're not going to immerse yourself in a place living there for like a month. But we tried to do that as much as we could and tried to cook at home some in addition to having amazing meals out. And so, yeah, it was great. I love just going right downstairs and getting a fresh baguette every day, putting some butter on it or getting fresh tomatoes, making a, a palm um, tomacat, I think is how you say it in Catalan or uh, uh, yeah. pan, pan con tomate. If you're uh, Cora is big on, on pan. That's like one, of, one of her favorite Spanish words, pan. Yeah. Well, you know, the single syllable situation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's gonna she's gonna do great with multiple syllables. I know. <laughs> if she's related to us, I, I certainly hope so. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that's and the thing that sticks out to me the most is just the average Spaniard is just eating so much better at home than yeah. the average American is, and uh, on a regular basis. And and I think and also part of it too with the lifestyle is you're not generally working as many hours, you know. So you you come home after work and like you have time to stop at the store. I mean, that's a big reason I don't go grocery shopping that often is because I just don't have time. I'm too busy. At least when I'm here, I, I have more time usually when I'm traveling. So it's it's really it's a great food culture. It's just it's generally just a more relaxed pace of life in general uh, particularly anywhere in the mediterranean like those mediterraneans man like they just they just know how to live. yeah and um i i found it particularly interesting when i would try to go out and get something specifically for cora for your daughter and maybe they just didn't have it in any of the markets that are around where we're staying right and that's okay it's like oh you don't have any berries today well it's september okay maybe there will be some tomorrow but we don't and whatever is like more seasonal and that's okay we don't need to have everything flown in from a thousand miles away necessarily we can eat what is there and i like that as well yeah i mean we get a little of that in california because we're just in the produce capital of the u.s but and you know maybe during the summer you get it from like farms in upstate new york if you're in new york and so like there's definitely more of a farm to table movement here but it never left in uh in france or spain or, or, or in, well yeah in, and, in, and uh, we're in a, a part of the country that can grow produce year round that's what i'm saying yeah. is like in the midwest we're still getting your strawberries and your blueberries and all that you know in, in chicago in december or we're getting them from mexico or wherever we're getting them from but those have been shipped and flown and whatever and, and maybe they're five days old well there if they couldn't get any that day they just don't have any and would my local marianos be out of blueberries no um so what in terms of just like the produce just the or the meat or, or whatever like just in terms of quality of ingredients that was there like what really stuck out to you um well clearly the fact that uh the quality of their pork is amazing and i think that technically on average it's the, like true iberico and i'm not talking like cured you know aged iberico talking just like cuts of meat of raw iberico pork are a little bit more expensive than the pork that we have in the u.s but it, it uh are readily available in the u.s but the quality exceeds uh in such a way that it's well worth it um 
I think that uh, I, I, in general, thought the produce was richer and more flavorful, um, but also with a shelf life that is shorter, um, you know, which is a testament to what we were talking about before. Like, I bought two figs, and the next day I was like, oh, these, these figs are a little squishy. I actually don't want to eat them anymore. I really should have eaten them last night. So again, just go get more very easily at at one of the five places to get produce within a two block radius of your apartment. Yeah. Gosh, that, I mean, that is just the most amazing part though, because uh, I live in a neighborhood where I have a fair amount of groceries near me. Um, but there are so many places and I don't even mean like with the segregation and kind of difficulties that we have in Toronto. There's so many places, even in downtown and on the North side of the city where I live that don't have a market or a grocery in walking distance. And there it's like, you not only have a dedicated fruit shop and a dedicated pasta shop and a dedicated bakery, but then there's also a regular supermarket and it's all within two blocks of where you live. Yeah. Although super supermarket is a, a bit of a misnomer oh, yeah, yes. there. The, the, uh, the supermarket as it's called is actually a convenience store. <laughs> Essentially. It's like, I, I don't know why, why they call it super. Maybe that the super part just refers to the fact that it's open 24 seven. Like the super part is the hours, but it definitely is like the smallest and uh, most annoying to shop at uh, of uh, any of these markets that are around. But there is also a 24 seven market within a block or two of your apartment. Oh, and it's all, yeah. it's all possible. Number one, cause a lot of people don't have cars. Most people don't have cars. And number two, just cause of the density it's like yeah you all um all these places are small too it's like you know the rent is probably not that much because it's a small place but you have like five or six choices that you can walk to of basically any ingredient that you want to get yep um so speaking of that what well i mean you know tell me what do you what do you think is the best food there compared to here like and i'm not talking in restaurants like what you can purchase at the store and the shellfish is amazing i mean there's just certain things you can't even really get over here are just very common very easy to obtain you know your red prawns your langoustines you just don't really see those most places in the u.s and even even like you know you're kind of bigger markets like there's a market in the bottom of this huge department store that we went to a few times called el corte inglés and so i I bought one of those big uh carts that you just like carry along behind you the grocery carts that like basically no one in this country knows what it is unless you live in new york and so we go there and even there they have just like all this awesome fresh fish just sitting out there on ice all this great uh how many beer i mean that the the cured meats obviously cured pork is going to be up there the cheeses are, are going to be up there as well uh and yeah the produce the tomatoes that was another thing that i just was like well, wowed by how good the tomatoes are there you were very much there during tomato season i remember you saying oh tomato season is over by the time i got there and <laughs> it was not over <laughs> uh, someone the- told me that i don't know well, sure. Mid-September, I guess, could be considered the end of tomato season in Barcelona, but 
No way, man. The tomatoes were still impeccable. <laughs> I mean, tomato season's over here now in Chicago, but I still have a bunch growing out back. So outside of that amazing dinner party that you threw, what would you say was your best food experience? Uh, I guess we could just say in Barcelona for now. I think this is trending long enough. We'll probably have to talk about some of the other city show. Yeah, I would, I would, I would guess so. Um, best food experience there... I mean, there's just, there's a couple, but man, rolling that like tiny cellophane thin pancetta around that weird little, you know, what do we call that shape of the, the cracker? You know, it's like a, I mean, it's basically, it's shaped like like a a tiny baguette, but it's a cracker. Yeah. Well, that just paper thin pancetta around that crunch, man, cannot beat it. Um, yeah, spending the time back there was just really cool for me because I haven't uh, yeah. experienced Well, well that. Do, do you want to just explain what, what that sure, whole sure, thing sure. was? So Nate has an amazing friend in a gentleman named Alejandro or Alex, if you will, who, what is it? Ab Origins? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to Barcelona, just look up Alex with Ab Origins. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but, uh, he, we've, uh, done stuff with him three times now. He just, he's unbelievable. He knows everyone in the town and always just is able to set things up at these, for these incredible experiences. And he's just, uh, it was awesome. I'll tell you about some of the other great stuff that we did. But yeah, I mean, this uh, this Hamon uh, taste. So we curated probably, an experience for us where we go to the back of basically a charcuterie shop. Um, and the gentleman whose name ex- escapes me right now, I feel terrible, uh, shows us everything that he does. And there's this um, video playing on the screen. Okay, that was the best. On, on yeah, he's like casting his phone of yeah. just this video of the the special uh, Hamanoberico pigs, which are, they have black hoofs. They are basically, by law, required to have a certain amount of free-ranging area per pig. They can only eat acorns. They can't eat anything else that fall from oak trees in this free-range. And all the shit that they do to the pigs... Uh, it is well worth yeah. it and uh but but it was funny just like looking at them like walking around eating the acorns yeah. and the casting up for this phone i think ashlyn started naming them it was great um but yeah that experience uh was really really up there um i i obviously enjoyed a lot of like the kinds of foods that i don't normally eat i love sea snails um the part of the uh, sort of Garocha tour that you missed out on was that was oh, a bummer yeah. for you. But we ate lunch at a, an amazing restaurant where we had this like tuna and tomato dish that was so simple. And it just really inspired me to, um, I guess, adulterate my food a little bit less uh, in the in the coming months. I, I'll forget about it and start adding cream and butter to everything again. But uh, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna try to follow the lead of these really simple meals add yeah i I mean the the, uh so just the the thing with alex where it just it was in the back of this 
a butcher shop basically and the, the butcher shop has a connection with where these pigs are raised in southwest spain and so they just had these huge legs they cut us the hominid barico that comes from the basically either the foreleg or the back leg of the pig there's like the shoulder and then there's uh the loin i guess right so and- if you're ever looking at Hamona Berko, basically, uh, paleta is the four legs, and the ones that are just labeled as hamon, that's the back left, and those are the like fattier, bigger, uh, more expensive cuts. Yeah, and if you just imagine, uh, there's this Instagram ad that I always get that says, Try the Wagyu of pork. And I'm like, I don't know if I really want to like get this Spanish stuff here. I don't know how good it's going to be. I'll, I'll probably try it after this experience and be disappointed, but it's basically like that. It's just the amount of fat that like marble through this it's truly incredible most uh cured meats are really dry but this still despite being cured uh has just the this incredible fat that goes through it and like it's almost glistening even though it's a, a dried cured meat yeah what i was uh most in, uh, well this is something that i had not known previous to that experience was that uh, it's very important how they slice off the outside of the fat because technically that is rancid and inedible. And so they have to be like very clean about it. And yet still there's so much fat in there. (laughs) Even with all that they trim off. But I, I didn't really know that part because I always see it when it's already timmed up, trimmed up for um, like tableside presentation and such. Yeah. And you, you've worked at places where they do that. But yeah. it's it, like it's the amount of skill required to like actually take that from just the way they ship it to you to being ready. It, like this guy, he was just an absolute machine. Like I just just watching him work was probably more enjoyable even than eating the food itself. Yeah, I really wanted him to sharpen my knives for me. <laughs> I mean, so actually, we tried, I didn't want yeah. to sharpen my knives for me. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, we tried everything that they make from the Iberigo, including uh, chorizo, which is easily like the best dried chorizo yeah. that I've ever had in my life. The best cured chorizo that I've ever had. Uh, and that pancetta, which was basically it was all white with like one tiny strip of I don't know what you would call the non-fat part. The um, muscle, usually. Yeah, but it was almost just like you spread butter on this little cracker. Like that's what, kind of yeah. what it tasted like. like. That was probably I, I agree with you. That might have been the best thing that we had that was and then he cooked up some like some uh pork chops for us as well out of that yeah the lomo that was so delectable i mean i guess the reason that that one was so significant is how simple i mean he did nothing to anything that he served us you know well you don't even have to put any oil in the pan you just threw it on there and cooked it yeah little salt and that was it and uh that was what really inspired me to kind of continue to to or to try to emulate in my own cooking um any other like experiences that really stood out besides finding the kittens under the bench at the cheese place (laughs) i mean i could not be stopped um (laughs) i think that uh 
on it, like being in that, this is another Alex experience, but being in that, like, just kind of German style pub in Barcelona, having the, uh, like, okay, so he said that the Lomo sandwich was the one that was going to impress both me and Eric, my husband. Oh, oh, this is, this is the Frankfurter place, yes, right? right, right. At like the very last place. But it was we the sausage to. one that was just amazing. And my favorite yeah. thing is that Alex said, what kind of cheese? I don't know. We don't care. It melts. <laughs> it's just, it's that supposedly sopping up your drunken night type sandwich. Unfortunately, none of us were drunk and instead all very full, but it was so delicious that we scarfed it down anyway. And that type of stuff, uh, I I don't know that I would have ever gone into that place or known without a local telling me, hey, this, you know, you, you got to check this out. Because even in my um, sort of quest to find the thing that is not touristy everywhere I go, I don't know if I would have believed that. Oh, go get yourself a Frankfurter in Barcelona. I would have said, hmm. That doesn't sound right. That was uh, that was quite excellent. Uh, one of the other things that I just love is soprasada, I and mean, that's just incredible stuff. It's oh yeah, you like really spreadable, that's, that's your jam. Yeah, yeah, spreadable sausage. You can just have it like kind of plain with honey. If you heat it up a little bit, it has just this incredible grease to it. What do they put in there? Paprika, right? Uh, well, yes. Um, I I am more familiar with anduja usually. I mean, because just having more experience working with Italian foods but I, I think in Spain yeah it's it's very paprika heavy um there's probably got to be some sort of like baking spice in it well, I maybe not but I, I I get a sense of that from it um but yeah it's just like really loose uh not you know yeah, it's a spreadable a, sausage yeah. basically yeah well it's not aged to the point where right exactly yeah it's um, delicious it's like if pate were good <laughs> <laughs> uh get, all right get, give me let's rapid fire this because we got some other topics that we got to hit on okay other contenders for just like the best food that you ate um the like kind of uh cured fish platter at um what was it called pabrots lost pabrots i'm gonna ask oh yeah yeah that was a great find by you that place was incredible um god why can't i think of the the full name yeah, of do, it right now dos pabrots pabrots clearly uh that was one of my favorite things just i love a good comparison spread and eating all of those cured fish uh next to each other was amazing um the mackerel the bonito what else was on there tuna obviously um anyway that was one of my favorite things um I really loved the duck paella that you uh, brought us to. Oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, la, la paella de Sioux. That was actually it seemed like a very old school kind of place. Actually, only opened in in 2019. Uh, it's just it's we definitely decoration. Yeah, yeah, we, we definitely horrified a number of proprietors with the amount of food that we ordered, and none more so than there because we just we wanted to try them all, but they won't. I mean, if you've had paella, it's just this huge pan. And so they won't give it to you in less than like basically a serving for two people. And there are three of us and we ordered, we ordered three <laughs> plus like some appetizers. And yeah, we took yeah. some home They're They're still, they're still kind of wrapping their minds around the idea, of like taking food home. 
Uh, yeah, but one thing I will say, and since we're going back and forth here, the number of times, not only in Spain, but in all of Europe uh, this summer, that I took things to go, nobody ever just brought me a box. It was always packaged for me, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Because in the States, we're so, I mean, we we think of our hospitality industry as sort of being um, a little bit more giving and bending over backwards more for their customers. But in this case, uh, I, th- I mean, I think in the U.S., I very often am just handed a box and I package it up, which is totally fine. But nobody even ever asked there or even. Yeah. You, you shouldn't eat at Chili's as often as you do. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Hey, I haven't <laughs> eaten at Chili's in a while, but I'm sure Eric will take me back there soon. <laughs> or what? what's the one that he really likes? Like Quaker State and Lube? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the, the chain is named after a motor oil, but I swear this is this is going to be really good. <laughs> uh, no, I mean I'm not even joking. They, even in some of the best rated restaurants in Chicago, they just you know bring you a box. I and I'm not offended. Well, is by that it. maybe is that maybe a relic of the pandemic? Mm, I, I it became yeah it became more commonplace, but I didn't have never been offered an empty box in Europe at all. They wrap it up for you. They bring you a bag. And I thought that that is cool. I mean, you say that takeaway and, and, and bringing leftovers home isn't as common there, but they clearly know how to handle that when it is uh, the case. Well, so apparently during the pan, like this is what Alex told me before the pandemic, they're very anti taking food home. And I mean, part of maybe just the culture of like not wasting as much food. You would think, I mean, I guess it's just like you never order more than you can eat is kind of more what it is than it <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. Like, oh, and then they see you this. come in and they're like, yes, we will definitely give you a box because <laughs> you ordered so much food. Take it home. Um, but apparently they were, that was really like in Spain as well, it was a big problem. And then it became actually a law that you have to do it be to avoid food waste, essentially. Oh. That like that was um, but in Copenhagen, they would not give you a takeout box. Oh. Like this one time, like I asked her, I didn't realize this at first. We went to this really nice uh, italian restaurant called a uh, based i i don't know how you pronounce the the a that is like you know kind of back to back with the e but uh i believe there's this amazing broad and we're like what's that i said i believe you're accurate uh so there's this amazing burrata and we had this big tasting menu we ordered a ton of stuff we're like all right we're gonna take this home and they were like what i don't understand and I, and then they just brought me like a i don't even i don't even know what the container was like it clearly they didn't have any takeout containers they found something and then they just put a piece of saran wrap over it and handed it to me after like they kind of looked at each other like what the hell are, was it like this, a this leftover idiot? tin can what do you mean what kind of package it was uh, it was some sort of like cardboard thing but it didn't have a top so they just put saran wrap over it and so that was the last time i asked for uh for (laughs) to bring my food home in copenhagen but i like i wasn't gonna order less like i wanted to try everything sometimes (laughs) you just don't know how big the portions are gonna be like you're going to over order a little bit i will eat it if i bring it home for sure yeah Uh, but they just like they wouldn't do it i and i would ask a few times but i was i tried to be like okay like you know i realize that you guys don't really like to do this but like would it be possible if it's at all like because everyone there speaks English to it in Copenhagen. So it's like, is this all like out of like what you would normally do? And I would, they would stare at me blank and open mouths. And I'd be like, just forget it. It's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, I, I appreciate the fact that um, 
that's just sort of like not part of their culture. But I hope that they appreciate the amount of money being spent at their establishment and taking some home. I, you know what I mean? No, I, I agree. I, I mean, generally, I try as hard as I can to assimilate into whatever the local custom is and not be that fucking American who gets all bent out of shape when they don't do it my way. But I, I, I thought that was a little ridiculous, yeah. particularly because Denmark loves to like and they largely do a good job of this, but they love to jack themselves off about like how amazingly you know they avoid waste. Everyone's so green there. It's like you won't. You're just gonna make you throw this food away. Like we can't take it home. Are you kidding me? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, sure, I have over ordered and I can't finish it, but I would like to finish it later, possibly. You know, midnight snack at whatever, and you're not gonna let me. Well, what are you gonna do with the food? Yeah. Yeah, and now, to be clear, I love Copenhagen. We'll talk about that probably on another episode, but I, that was just the one thing that I just like, and you know, it was a great city, very kid-friendly. We had a wonderful time there. would love to go back, but that that one thing I was like, this this really doesn't make any sense. You know, it's just as bad as us having all these guns, basically. Right? <laughs> well, I know that there is one thing that you uh, have a, a little bit of an issue with is the size of the drinking vessels. Perhaps in all of Europe, but definitely in Spain. Um, I think it's perfectly fine. But can you uh, talk a little bit about your water cup fascination? Well, particularly in like at home, in the places we stayed, like they don't give you people just don't have cups larger than like eight ounces. And now part of part of that, I guess, is because you put a pitcher out there on the table and you refill it. But that pitcher is going to start to get warm after a little while. Like I want to be able to I drink a lot like I want to stay hydrated eating a lot. Uh, And as I I, too bad, we're not a video anymore because I have my massive 32 ounce water bottle here i uh, am drinking also, out of right now uh, i also have a 32 ounce insulated uh cup <laughs> next to me of water yeah but and, and now at the restaurant a lot of time because they won't serve you tap water obviously anywhere in europe right you which is my annoyance you. yeah i mean so is uh, you just is Wait, it that what? you have to pay more no well, I mean that the 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 cost of the water is sort of negligible in the way that I'm dining out. No big deal. But again, are we being sustainable in serving everybody out of these bottles that you know have to be recycled and I don't know gone through whatever number of steps of like carbon footprint in their uh, logistics and transportation back to whatever. It's just, it's ridiculous to me. Pour me a refillable vessel of water. Your water is safe to drink. I will drink it. Why does everything have to be a sealed screw cap sparkling or still situation? Yeah, I guess I probably just in terms of like my experience, I think I would say I probably actually prefer it because I a lot of times I'm only drinking water and I almost feel bad that I'm only drinking water and not paying for a drink, particularly because that's where restaurants make a lot of their profit margin. So at least if I'm getting the agua con gas and the agua sin gas, yeah, it's not it's not called just water. It's called water without gas. That's how you order just a regular water, <laughs> uh, which which is hilarious to me. But I, I still enjoy it. I, I like saying "sin." That's uh, that's one of my 
my favorite uh, Spanish words. But yeah, it's just like, I, I like just having it there on the table and I can refill it at any time. Like now, if you run out, you have to order more, but usually they'll ask you, like those services are pretty good there. Or they'll even put it in one of those wine chilling buckets right next to the table as well to keep it cold. But I, I just like the ability. I would much rather just fill my own water than have to wait for someone to do it. And because I'm drinking it often enough that it's like either they're not filling it enough or they're almost obtrusive in like, if they're checking often enough, like they're almost like visiting the table too often just for like, you know, the ambiance table. Well, I understand your point. That would be absolutely possible with a carafe of water from the faucet. But the the faucet isn't like, you know, filtered enough or whatever. And they do, I mean, they do make money off of it too. Like that's, uh, and I think it's just, it's especially, because I would say most of the restaurants, would you agree with me that most of them were a little bit less staffed in the U.S. or no? Um, most of them, yes. Uh, So, I mean, that just saves a lot. Like there weren't, there weren't like, uh, you know, like a lot of restaurants will have like bussers. Like they didn't, they don't really have that there that I experienced, right? There wasn't like that kind of division of labor. It seemed like everyone was just sort of like jack of all trades, seeing, going to all the tables. You know, there wasn't like the food runner and the waiter. um, Some of the really high end places definitely had a division of labor, but you are absolutely right. And you know what though? It reminded me of a couple of places that I worked at that very specifically their community like mantra or you know, uh, their goals was to have, to have everybody on the same team, you know, nobody's beneath blah, 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 blah. And it would seem like they're all at the same level, but maybe there really was a division of labor. You know, it, just everybody was very yeah. helpful. It wasn't yeah. our server never cleared plates and a server of another table never cleared a plate from our, they did. They just helped each yeah. other. And that was uh, better than most places in the U.S. Yeah, you know, they, they weren't like just trying to knock uh, plates of food out of each other's hands so they could like get, get a leg up on each other like you were telling me about Ooh. the restaurant you worked at. Yeah, yeah. That that was uh that's a story for another time. But yes, there No no it is. Yeah, that could be its own episode of like <laughs> what it was like what it's like working in like a fine dining place. But right. uh so, anyway, I, mean, I agree though that the slightly less staff, um, except for like, you know, we had uh one or two Michelin starred meals and they had clearly, you know, like some staff just sort of standing in the wings waiting for stuff to happen, which is just very fine dining you know hands behind your back watching the table okay it's time for me to come over and clear all right so let's close on this Uh what so you i mean you've worked obviously in food for a long time in service for a long time in the u.s and you can correct me if i'm mischaracterizing i think you've kind of been a proponent of like the american tipping system i i recall at least you saying you you felt like that led to better service and also frankly a better for the people who really do their job exceedingly well in the u.s you know more upside for them more of a reward now you know you spent probably the most time in europe this summer that you ever had probably went to like the most restaurants that you ever have what is your impression of u.s versus european service after the summer (sighs) i mean so weighted and also could certainly be another full topic just because of all of the different parameters um for like the jobs between the two countries or between 
the two continents, I should say. Well, well you can give us a summary and then yeah, I yeah. can hit my other topic, which was whether the U.S. or uh, Europe have better light switches. <laughs> I'm sure people are just uh, champing at the bit for that one. Uh, anyway, I... <laughs> I do think that service is very, very good in Barcelona in particular. I did not feel at any point like I was getting the cold shoulder for being an American. I didn't feel like they were part of a non-tipping system. Everybody seemed like they genuinely wanted to take good care of us. That being said, they're... That's with the the um, sort of natural progression of each meal being take order, disappear for at least 15 minutes. Um, but I didn't think of that as being like bad service. I just know or I understood it to be that, okay, I have done this part of the job. You have your drinks, you have placed your order, and there is, are other things I have to do in this time. I'm not going to be making any more money if I go back to you every, you know, five minutes or whatever. So there just is no return until food comes. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I noted that, but I, I think that's just, well, I wasn't mad at it. just a slower pace. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, was, yeah. Well, so, and then um, the amazing thing for me is just knowing what I know about the wage difference for restaurant workers, hospitality workers in Europe versus the United States. I can't even believe how sort of upbeat and friendly people are in Europe at restaurants. Um, I mean, I just know that the in these cities that I'm visiting, and granted, keep in mind, I'm, I'm generally going to cities when I'm visiting Europe, not rural areas. They're making like maybe 25%, 25 to 35% of what high-end restaurant workers are making in the United States. And wow. that is because of tip. And I know that. And I, I also I'm taking a you know cost of living into account there, but I can't believe how just friendly and good at their jobs they are when they're making, you know, something like thirty thousand dollars a year, US dollars a year or less. It's it's crazy to me. I, I'm very appreciative. Yeah, I mean, it is just a, a different pace of lifestyle, and I mean, part of why we make more is that we spend more here, right? Like, you know, people have like their single family house. Like, very few people in the U.S. would be comfortable living in like a one bedroom apartment. For example. yeah, yeah. Uh, or a two-bedroom apartment that has a bathroom where you can't, where your knees touch the wall in front of you. <laughs> uh, yeah, or or because, and if you are living someplace where you have a one-bedroom apartment, then it's like New York, and that one-bedroom apartment costs you like thirty-six hundred dollars a month or or something, yeah. and and even then you don't have a car either. Like then you also you don't have to have a car there. You take public transit everywhere, and you don't generally have to work as hard. You know, like there's they're not open for as long right like they open at eight o'clock like you can't get a reservation before eight and like the last reservation is 10 yeah i so, did know yeah. and i might be i might be wrong about this but unless everybody in the restaurants in barcelona are working straight through lunch all the way till close of dinner the, the shifts there are are quite short i mean if you open for dinner at 7 30 p.m which is kind of on the early end and your last seating is well, you close at 10.30 p.m., that's a three-hour window of actual service. Um, and it's not closed like the kitchen closes at 10.30. It's like everybody's out. 
Um, so that means even with your possibly two hour prep, you're talking about like, you know, six hour shift at max. And I'm betting that a lot of them are five. That's not so bad, you know, quality of life, but, but they're making less money. And I tipped everywhere in Barcelona. Um, I still tip 20 plus percent. I don't think everybody does that. And the difference is in the U.S., um, at least half of your salary is made by tip. No, definitely. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's do uh, let's do one more thing here. I'm okay. To, um, I'm gonna just throw out a few a few items. It's over on your. I don't know if this even is food related, mm-hmm. but of just certain things that I thought were. I want to just compare them between the U.S. and uh, and Europe uh-huh. and and maybe Barcelona specifically. Uh, Spain. I got to give you some big demerits. You're just, you got to work on your phone etiquette. There are so many people just like out loud video calls, <laughs> notifications blowing up on your phone. Like one night when Ashlyn was sick, there was this great old school Michelin star restaurant that was basically right across the street from our apartment called a Via Benito. And, you know, just been open since the sixties is kind of like a, a classic institution. And I go in there and, and I'm eating and like this guy's phone is just like blowing up at the table next to me like no one is doing anything like i was just like uh i even asked the waiter like hey you know would it be possible maybe to mention something to this guy like like you know i feel like it, maybe you're wrong about this but like in the u.s they would not tolerate that at a place especially like an old school you know kind of like a white jacket type of place like this guy's phone is just like going off as he's like getting whatsapp notification after whatsapp notification every 15 seconds for the entire meal and like no one seemed to like stop him or care i was like i was appalled i was absolutely appalled hmm and i probably would it wouldn't have bothered me probably as much if i had hadn't been dining by myself so i was like more attuned to it but still it's just and and, like there are tons of times when people just like take video calls at their table like have this phone speaker out loud uh i even like tried as politely as i could one time to uh ask ask these people to like you know put some headphones on or like go outside and she was like whoa what's the difference like you're you're having a conversation here we're having a conversation i'm like dude you're blasting your tinny ass phone speaker right next to this and this is like you know we're crammed in there we're five inches away from their table at the next table like you're blasting this phone speaker no it is not the same as having a conversation with your dinner mate to be on a fucking video call at the table <laughs> in a nice restaurant absolutely not no it is certainly not i saw that everywhere too it, it never bothered me in the same way <laughs> i don't well know. uh so i mean you know my personality it's like there's the annoyance of the actual thing but if if there's no way to change it then i will normally accept it and it's fine but if i feel like someone could change it or i could change it somehow then it's like it's always sticking by the back of my mind like all right how do i make this go away this should not be you know like that's as opposed to just like okay you know there's somebody like jackhammering at a construction site across the way like okay like no you can't do anything about that construction has to happen for society to function whatever i get that (laughs) but something like this i just i can't it's so hard to let it go i just uh, i don't think you've let it go for sure have not Oh man. Uh, yeah, I, I noticed it. Um, it did not at, at any point actually bother me. Uh, but I don't think I was in your situation. Um, um, yeah. Any, any sort of like little, little things like that, that you're just, that stuck out to you that you could think of? Um, well, weirdly, you'll, you'll probably find this interesting because I still smoke cigarettes, but I do not like the allowance of smoking at the outdoor tables. It, it does bug me. I, I also 
and this didn't happen as much in Barcelona, but it happened in Paris a lot. I don't like that people want me so badly to stay at the table and smoke cigarettes. I smoke cigarettes, but I don't want to be sitting here while other people are enjoying drinks and food. I want to walk away. I want, you know, to give some space between this particular bad habit and the other bad habits other people are enjoying. Uh, I don't like that. I do think that it should not be allowed. No, I, I agree. And it's like this, there's this whole thing. Oh yeah. That's so nice outside. Like everyone loves this relaxed outdoor dining style in Europe. Also, like we got completely destroyed by like the bees there a lot of times when we <laughs> sat outside as well. That's just, well, that's, that's my favorite. When I was in restaurants and, and guests would be like, can you do something about these bees? I'd be like, uh, you have, uh, a donut in front of you. No, I cannot. <laughs> you're sitting, you're sitting outside and yeah. i don't know if you heard we have a bee crisis so no i'm not gonna kill these bees yeah. we need we need pollination damn it <laughs> hey man uh, but but uh, yeah you uh, on the cigarettes thing though you're it, I, I completely agree with you like it sucks that they like that everyone does it but that's one of those things where i'm like hey i'm coming to your country this is just what everyone does like i can eat inside if i have to or i can just deal with it but yeah it does suck it totally reduces your enjoyment of the meal there were a couple times when i like, politely asked people not to smoke the last time we were in europe because ashley was pregnant um but this time i was just like no like this i'm coming here this is what they do like either accept it or or, mm-hmm. you know, do something about it yourself. Like, don't ask them to change your behavior. But I will say, like, yeah, it sucks. And also, guy who's like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'm going to, like, make this better for you by holding my cigarette, like, underneath my chair. Like, that that's mm. going to, like, make it better. No, that's going to make it worse. It goes up in the air. So the lower you hold it, the greater area in the outdoor dining it's going to distribute through. And the more people are who are going to have to smell it for a longer period of time. So just, just hold it up normally. Like, if you really want to help us out here, like, hold it above your head or something. Yeah, that was always my move. But it's funny. (laughs) Really was. Um, It does bother me more that uh, like the French people, the Spanish people would say, no, 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 sit, stay, stay. And I'd be like, no, I'm going to go do this in shame over here. (laughs) (laughs) Just let me smoke like a goddamn American. I'm going to go do this in shame over here is a nice, a nice tagline for this podcast. And, uh, I, I suppose, sadly, we we must depart. But yeah, I remember when I made this huge outline, I was like, oh, are we going to have enough to talk about? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we made it through 20% of that. But that's yeah. good because we're starting season two and we can just come back and talk about more shit now. And we're not doing video, so it can just be a more rambling discussion. And uh, we've got lots more Europe takes, Copenhagen, Paris, lots more to talk about this season. Maybe we'll even start debating like what some of the best food countries are. That'll be that'll be enjoyable. I'm sure Alex will tune in for that one. Yeah. Yeah. He loved that debate. I'd like to debate the best cat countries, but you know. <laughs> oh, probably us. We, we have the most <laughs> pets of anywhere, right? I don't know. Feral. Uh, we don't have as good as feral cats here, though. They're definitely like, the, I think Europe is doing better on that score. Eh, check the South. Um, in any event, <laughs> I agree. We, I, who doesn't love a good ramble? And we can do a bunch of that. Uh, I feel like we both have uh, enough time to ramble now. All right. Well, we don't have anything to promote. This podcast doesn't make any money. So we're just going to go. And we'll be back, uh, you know, hopefully uh, on a semi-regular schedule. Do five, six episodes here for, for season two over the next couple months. So uh, check back. Uh, just subscribe. Search Arguing About Food in your podcast player. And we'll talk to you soon. Peace. <laughs>